Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The story that everybody is talking about, uh, the manhunt for the two BC teens suspected in three murders has ended with the discovery of two bodies police believe to be the uh, the two alleged uh, perpetrators of at least three murders. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm befuddled by this, as I think so many other people are, from what little we do know about what has happened over the last little while. So we're going to uh, go at this from a couple of different angles. Uh, first of all, we're pleased to welcome back to the program Ross McLean, crime specialist, security expert, and uh, former Toronto police officer. Uh, Ross, thank you for a very busy day for uh, you hopping in with us uh, for just a couple of minutes. Good you could join us today. Yeah, good morning, Bill. This, uh, in all your years of, of law enforcement and policing, have you ever heard of a story like this? Uh, yes, yes. In 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 the in the terms of this, I want to I want to frame it in this terms. Yeah, you've got these uh, two young men. Uh, certainly, it, it appears the one, the younger, the Briar Shemelsky, however you say his name correctly. I apologize for getting it wrong. Uh, who grew up with a very disturbed life, a very disturbed life, emotional disturbance, family disturbances. We're hearing stories of uh, you know being given uh, drugs since he was a young kid, Ritalin, and stories of him abusing the drug by crushing it and snorting it. Uh, you know, playing violent video games, involved with Nazis, and the whole thing. We're starting to see a bit of a trend here. Uh, with young men of this generation who have grown up uh, surrounded with broken families and uh, doomsdays since they were born almost. They were born, uh, you know, to the uh, year 2000, the world's going to end, all the computers are going to stop. And then it went on from there to all the other things. The uh, the economy collapsed, then they couldn't get a job. And they have there's, there's a lot of non-hope for a lot of these people. So when you see people get desperate, Bill, you see them do uh, hopeless, desperate things. And again, we, at this point, Ross, have more questions than we have answers at this stage, which only makes this thing even more frustrating. Yeah, you know, the police, I think, have to do a good uh, review of how they've handled this whole thing from start to finish. Now, I'm saying that also, as you say, not knowing a lot, knowing, not knowing a lot of what they were doing and what went well. But on the, on the surface, uh, it appears a lot didn't get handled well. So they'll have to figure that out. Now, I say that with this one caveat. I remember going to a call one time uh, as, a, as a journalist, if you will, covering it for a, a toddler who went out of a building at, at 4 in the morning when it was minus 35 with high winds. And I went to the site, you know, eight hours later, they still hadn't found the child. And I, I could barely get out of my car. It was so cold. And I'm wondering, how could they have not found this child by now? But... The child had wandered off just an inordinate distance. I could not believe it when they found the body. And I thought, okay, well, this is the reason why. So there was something more to it than what it appeared to be. So I think the police are going to need to explain this. Whether they will or not, I don't know. Well, geography is part of this, isn't it? I mean, that's part of the, 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 the quizzical thing about this whole thing. I mean, uh, these, these murders uh, occurred over on the West Coast, obviously, and all of a sudden we're in Manitoba. I mean, that's, uh, that's quite a distance, obviously, and you just had to wonder was, uh, you know, if these two actually had a, a game plan of any description. Typically with criminals, when, when they do stuff like this, they do have a game plan, but the script only goes so far. And what happens is when you run out of script, all of a sudden you're not really sure what to do, panic sets in, uh, and these sort of problems. They don't really have a game plan to go further. So it, it certainly appears to me at this point, at least looking at it anecdotally, they, where they went off, they lived out their, their little fantasy video game. They played a survivor video game uh, called Rust, where you go around killing innocent people to take their take their things it's really a gruesome 
a ridiculous game and you set things on fire and you go trekking off to go do stuff. So it looks like they somewhat lived that out. And then when they got to Manitoba, realizing that the police were slowly starting to close in on them, uh, it seems they burned the one thing they had, which was a vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, his vehicle. Why would you do that if you didn't have another one to go to? And then they're found a short distance, just eight kilometers from that, which is another interesting point, but how well the search went out from where, where the vehicle was found. They're both found dead, just uh, eight kilometers uh, from there. And I'll just point out, and the game that they were playing, Bill, and we'll see if this plays a part or not, the character that you identify with, if it's in a really bad spot, you have the choice of committing suicide as the character and becoming reborn somewhere else. So this is the game that the one younger apparently played for over 500 hours, according to some reporting. So how did they both die together at the same time in the woods? We'll wait for those details, I guess, from the RCMP. Yeah, the autopsies are being done today, obviously, so we should get some more details and some answers maybe about that aspect of it. Uh, talk to me a little bit, Ross, again, about the search itself and the coordination, or some suggest the lack of coordination uh, that was going on with RCMP, uh, obviously, which crossed across a number of provinces. Uh, there were sightings or alleged sightings in, in different places all over the place. As a matter of fact, even as, as far away as Ontario, uh, which obviously, I guess, were you know, just false uh, accusations about what was going on like this. But but talk to us about the coordination and how they did this and how you, you basically try to throw the net out there to try to find these people. Yeah, well, one of the things that police have always been doing, and it's always been a bit of an issue, is when you have to deal outside of your own, uh, your own realm, if you will. That's why a lot of the times we certainly see in urban areas where police departments actually practice and do things with neighboring police departments. They'll run exercises together so they can both help each other out or if something happens on the border. And when they do that, they look at how fast their messaging is back and forth. They find, they find holes in how they, how they deal together or not, and then they try to fix those. In this case, it seems like with, if the RCMP was in charge of this case, they had to somehow coordinate with all the different provinces and municipalities and other forces to get consistent communication out to the leadership uh, to do the right work. I mean, you know, we had this shooting down in Dayton, Ohio, and if you were to listen to the police scanner of that, I was listening to the police scanner as it went on, and you heard the command post saying, okay, who do we have here from Homeland Security? Where's the FBI? Could the ATF guy please come here? So they're putting it together kind of on the spot, trying to put all these forces together. So maybe that's an issue that needs to be looked at for how we communicate uh, across these boundaries. With that knowledge, and I guess this is some accumulated knowledge over the last couple of days of this uh, this manhunt, the dragnet that was going out around the country, uh, do, you, do you try to make a determination as to where they're going? Do you look in cities? Obviously, these, as you mentioned, because of this video game that they seem to be basing all this, this bizarre behavior on, uh, it, it had not much more to do with, as you say, uh, you know, being out in the wilderness and that sort of thing. Does, is that a clue? Is that how you try to channel the investigation? Well, part of, and when you have good police intelligence, and I'm not going to go into this, but that's where carding helps out, if you will. It's the terrible name for carding. But if we, when you have good intelligence on people, the first thing the police start looking into is information about their background. Uh, did this kid ever go camping and live in that area for a period of time? Either one of them or worked there. Did they have communications with anybody? So what you do is you look for things in their background that indicate who they're associated with. Normally when people are on the run, they run someplace they've got some familiarity with that they can go and hide. They just don't go jumping blindly into the abyss. So that's one of the things the police do, and that helps to determine 
uh, if they find good information there, where to start looking. That's why in Toronto and in Hamilton and places like that, when you see a shooting go down and they've got an idea who the suspect may be, uh, they'll start be banging on the doors of all the associates of that person very quickly to try and find them. That's So that would be how the police were looking at that. With what we know so far, I, and I guess we're asking here for an educated guess, uh, the, the, the murders uh, that they are alleged to have committed, random acts of violence? Well, you know, this is the, the actual act of doing violence to another being is entirely different, even though it feels the same when you're doing it on a video game. But everything changes when you do it. Now, with a firearm, it makes it easier to do it, right, uh, when these things happen. I don't, I don't, we'll have to find out. The police have not discussed how the bodies were killed uh, when they were found. Mm-hmm. The, the couple that was there or the other man. Was it done execution style, like in the game? Was there overkill? Did it look like there was a fight? I mean, that that they could probably tell a lot of that from the conditions. We don't know that yet. I don't suspect anybody kills three people just uh, on a whim. So there is some there is some thought towards proceeding with it to some degree. Because if, from what we know, and again, as you say, there's, there's a great deal of investigation still to be done on this situation. But it, it seemed at first blush as if that all three victims just happened to probably be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, yeah, I mean, if you, and, you know, for this, uh, I say, if people look at, you can look at this game Rust on YouTube. You go, go look up YouTube Rust, you can find a bunch of people who play it and what they do with it. And it's really devoid of any humanity or emotion. You know, you come up behind people and you say, hi, can you help me? I need some water while you're holding a big rock in your hand. And when the person turns around, you beat them to death and then you take their stuff and you laugh about it. It's a really devoid of any sort of humanity, this game. Uh, so when you have, and let's, let's get to this point, Bill, everybody's saying, oh, don't blame video games. Don't blame them. You don't blame video games per se, but what will happen? And I've speak, spoken to some top psychologists about this. A hundred people can play a video game and have no trouble with it, a violent one, but you get the one person who's off and lost and emotionally disturbed. It can really cause problems for that one person. So if uh, we heard stories that this kid was uh, seen torturing little puppies and cats like we always hear about that leads to serial killing, if you will, we'd be very concerned. Well, what about if he had a video game where you torture little cats and kittens? Is that the same thing? Or where you smash humans to death? Is that the same thing that we should be concerned about? I think there's something there that needs to be investigated. When that investigation continues, and I, I assume it's ongoing right now, uh, I, I got to assume, Ross, at some point they're, they're going to discover that there were red flags up there. Somebody had to know something about these two people, and uh, and I don't know what they did about it. I don't know if they had any concerns about this, but, I mean, they just didn't come drop out of the sky. This is this has been going on, as, as you say, from the video game aspect of this, this has been going on for quite some time. No, there's a trend going on here, and that yeah. trend is emerging right now with all of these different shootings, the same ones that just happened in the States, the same sort of twisted characters who came from twisted backgrounds. People were aware of it, the Parkland shooter, all of these ones. There's lots of red flags, but we're not dealing with it well as a society. We see in schools uh, that they won't suspend kids anymore for real violence because they don't want to be in trouble for suspending kids. It looks bad on you as a board if you suspend too many people and there's problems, so you allow the violent kids to stay in school, and you cover it up. And you don't really deal with the issues of, uh, of kids with red flags. And how do you deal with it? Uh, do we have the right resources for it? Well, I'd say we don't. There's not easily counseling available uh, to catch these kids at the earlier stages. And that's when you want to try to help somebody, right? They'll not, when they're about to jump off a boat and, and go kill themselves, as opposed to when they're in the water, they're fighting. You, you want to pick your places. So I think overall, there needs to be a better look at how we help deal with uh, the breakdown of family and 
kids with uh, no hope uh, who are used to violence and uh, just time to end life. There's no fun to this life anymore. As we say, so many questions, uh, and hopefully we'll get some of these answers. Uh, Crime specialist Ross McLean. Ross, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this today. Thank you, Bill. Take care. We'll talk again soon. It's a hectic day, obviously, especially in Manitoba as the story continues to unfold. Diana Foxall from Global News is uh, with us uh, from Manitoba. Diana, thank you for the time. Appreciate you joining us today. No problem. Good morning, Bill. What's the latest? What are you hearing today? How is, as, as this story starts and continues to unfold right now, uh, what kind of an impact is this having on the community there? Uh, the overwhelming feeling from the community, especially up in northern Manitoba, is just one of relief. So RCMP said yesterday that this manhunt is over. They found two bodies believed to be those of the suspects, Bryce Miguelski and Cam McLeod, uh, near Gillum. And um, while they haven't yet officially confirmed that those are the identities of the two bodies, uh, they say they are very, very confident that they, it is the suspects. Um, so now that manhunt is over and people in Gillum are really just breathing a sigh of relief. This is a small, tight-knit community where people don't lock their doors at night. So to have a massive, massive police presence in town for upwards of two weeks and potentially to have two dangerous suspects on the run who have allegedly killed three people over in northern B.C., and you don't know where they are, perhaps they're in your backyard, perhaps they're in the bush, you don't know where they are, Uh, it just had a lot of people on edge. So for that fear to kind of be dissipating now and for people to have some closure is um, just a very big relief to lots of people up in northern Manitoba and certainly across Canada too. This this story has captured not just our attention here, but uh, nationally and internationally. Well, sure, because there, there were talk of, of alleged sightings even as far away as Ontario over the last couple of days, which obviously police have to follow up on. But uh, is, is there any indication at all, Diana, why this ended up in Gillum, Manitoba from, from British Columbia? Is, is there a tie in there anywhere? We really don't know. There's a lot of questions uh, now that these suspects have supposedly been found dead and questions that we may well not get answers to. Um, Certainly, we know they were on the run after they allegedly killed three people in northern B.C. Uh, But to be honest, Gillum, Manitoba is not necessarily the place you'd want to run to. Um, There certainly is lots of wilderness here, so if their plan was kind of to commit a string of crimes and then go off and hide in the bush, uh, they accomplished that. However, they sounds like they are dead now. Um, but this is certainly not the first place I think many people would think of if they were on the run from police. This is a, a multi-pronged investigation, obviously, that stretches, as we mentioned, from British Columbia all the way over now to, to Gillum, Manitoba. Uh, have you had a chance to talk to the authorities about how they continue this investigation? Because uh, uh, as you mentioned, Diana, there's an awful lot of questions here. How did they get there? Why did they go there? Uh, did they have a plan? Was there some goal in sight here? Uh, or was this all just part of a, the major scheme itself? As to say, they, there's some speculation now as to how they may have ended their lives. Uh, and if it's according to that video game, they, it could have been suicide. It could have been, well, we don't know at this stage. And I guess it's, it's not fair to speculate. But authorities at, at this point have got to make some decisions about exactly how they're going to continue with this investigation. Absolutely. So there's kind of two parts, as you mentioned. So here in Manitoba, a lot of the focus had been on the manhunt. And now that we do have two bodies that uh, police have brought back to Winnipeg, they took they flew them back from Gillum last night. And they're going to be conducting the autopsies over the next couple of days. What that'll look like here is, we will hopefully get a confirmation on their identities sooner rather than later. Uh, we will get a cause of death. Um, I think many people are also hoping that perhaps the autopsy can provide some sort of timeline as to how long they had been dead for, because we know the last confirmed sighting in Gillum was July 22nd. They, the bodies were found yesterday, August the 7th, so that's more than two weeks 
where we don't know what happened to them. So that's largely the question here. Uh, other questions like motive, um, RCMP and BC certainly looking into that if they can find evidence that would lead them to something of that nature. But at this point, they say that's one of the many questions that they may well never get an answer to. Of course, in this kind of case, police would have loved to have had the suspects alive, brought them into the interview room, and just found out what happened. But um, as it sounds like they are now dead, police saying they believe those bodies are those of the suspects, um, that's one of the questions we may well not get an answer to. Diana, we look forward to your reporting on this over the next uh, little while as you get more information. Thanks so much for this. Really appreciate you jumping on. You're very welcome. Thank you. Diana Foxall from Global News, of course, in uh, Gillum, Manitoba. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.